Let's turn to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We'll begin reading at verse 5. We'll mainly begin tonight's lesson at verse 8 down through verse 15. I've entitled the lesson, Stephen, a faithful servant. That's why I read there from 1 Corinthians 4, is required of a steward, a servant, to be found faithful. We know here that this is... God is beginning to work through his apostles and the church has grown to the place that they needed deacons. So they choose out seven men of honest report, men of faith, men of character, men of authority, and they set over that business of taking care of people that were in need so the apostles could give themselves to praying and to the preaching of the gospel. And one of those men is Stephen. We'll look at him tonight, Lord willing, and then I'll encourage you to go and read his whole sermon. The whole, the whole chapter 7 is dealing with Stephen's sermon to those people. And that sermon that he preached to those people, he just showed them all the history of the nation of Israel to the time of Christ. And he was the one chosen that would come, and it cost him his life. They could not stand what he said. He said, you're uncircumcised in heart, you're just a bunch of rebels, and they stoned him to death for it. But it says here in verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man, what's this, a man full of faith. It means he was a faithful man. And of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, Poncarus, and Nancanor, Taman, Parthamus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And when they did this, verse 7, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. That means many were converted. And, of the, and, of, and a great company of the priests, these were the leaders, these were those who uh, worshipped and served the law, who were very strict in what they did. And it's amazing that anybody believes, but especially these priests. Can you imagine what the other priests thought? Because when these priests believe, they are saying that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he accomplished what he came to accomplish. And by saying that, he's saying all the others are wrong. Because what they were doing was all the things under the law the law could never save. The law, all it does is can condemn. You're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. Somebody must fulfill that law. Christ fulfilled the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And by fulfilling it, he kept the law instead of his people. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. In verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith, and power did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians, and them of Cilicia, and of Asa. They were disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. 
And they suborned men or hired men which said, they paid men to say something. They worked, found them some false witnesses. They said, well, we, we, here's, we'll give you this money if you'll, here's what you'll say. And what did they say? We have heard him speak, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the scribe, the people, and the elders of the scribes, and came upon him and called him and brought him before the council, before the court. And they set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. And that's exactly right. That's what he did tell them. And we ain't going to have it. Nobody's going to come in here and change our customs. We've been doing this too long. And that's why Christ died. They hated him. They despised him. They envied him. And it's still not changed. There's an enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. And all, and all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, on Stephen, and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Who is this man, Stephen? As I said last week, most of the Jews spoke Hebrew. But some that were born and raised in Greek countries spoke Greek. And to distinguish the two, they were called Hellenistic Jews. Jews by birth that were born in Greek or in Greek countries. Now, the apostles were all Galileans. So whatever dialect they had or whatever accent they had, it must have been different because, you know, there's a pretty good ways from Galilee to Jerusalem because when Peter was trying to hide himself by the enemy fire, they said, your speech gives you away. We know by hearing you talk that you are in a Galilean. I don't know how many people have said since me and Sandy have been here almost 10 years, you're not from around here. No, we're not. They say, you have an accent. I don't see it. I don't hear it. But that's what he was saying. The, they spoke differently. And how did they perceive those men? They said that they were unlearned and ignorant men because they were Galileans, and that was a, um, a city that we know our Lord worked in the carpenter shop with his father. And they probably made boats because the Sea of Galilee is where they would go out fishing. And, you know, when we think about carpentry work, we usually think about cabinets. More than likely, they were building boats. So they were men that they had rough hands. They, had, they worked hard for a living. And those that were wise or maybe a little more educated or a little more refined from Greek countries would have said. Because they said it earlier in the book of Acts, these are unlearned and ignorant men. They never went to school. As old as, probably as old as, when they got old enough, they probably went fishing. That was their livelihood. That's how they made a living. So they despised them for that, but Stephen was not. Stephen was an eloquent man. Stephen was a learned man. He was not a Galilean. He was, now he's a believer, 
And he's full of faith and he's faithful, but he's different. He's like these people that he's going to offend. You know why? Because he used to be one of them. And something's happened. Something's different about him. He speaks with the same language. He speaks with the same dialect, but he's talking differently. He's not talking about Moses and the law. He's talking about Jesus Christ who came and was crucified. And, we are, and he is saying that that one that was dead is risen from the dead and is ascended back to the Father. And he sent us to go into all the world and tell the world that Jesus Christ is sitting on his throne. And they said, we don't believe it. He was a learned man, a man of rank and reputation. We'll see that Saul, eventually known in chapter 9, he was known as Saul of Tarsus, and God changed his name to Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament. Paul was a learned man. He was a learned man. He, he was taught under the law. He was taught it. For, probably from the time he was a little boy, he was catechized. They taught him the scriptures. He could tell you his lineage. My mother was a Hebrew. My father was a Hebrew. And I'm, I can tell you what tribe I'm from. Out of all the tribes of Israel, I'm from that little tribe of Benjamin. And the first king of Israel was named King Saul, and he was probably named after that king. See, you imagine, boy, they really built him up. He is somebody. Stephen and Saul probably sat on the same council, and they both were taught by a man named Gamaliel. When they said that name, everybody knew who they were talking about. It would be like the, the man who everybody just wanted to be taught of this man because he must have claimed to have known something. Now, people can know a lot in their head and not know, not know him. It's not what we know. It's who we know. Paul, he said one day, he said he didn't say, I know what I believe. A lot of people can tell you what they believe. He said, I know in whom I believe. In whom I believe. It said he was full of faith. He was faithful. He was faithful as a deacon. He was, not, he was not an apostle, and he didn't need to be. Deacons were servants. He said he was a steward. He didn't have to. He, he, was, he was a whole lot, as far as physically, he's a whole lot smarter as far as book things and culture and these things than those disciples were. They were Galileans, but God's going to turn the world upside down by them and a few men. And he uses, raises up Stephen. Why did he raise up this man? Who made Stephen to differ? God did. Why did God save Stephen? He saved him for a purpose, to have an influence on these people that he was friends with. They said, man, there's something different about that man. And there were. But he was faithful in whatever, wherever God put him. The Bible says those who honor God, he will honor them. If you're faithful in a few things, he said, I will reward you in much. Like Stephen, we as children of God, we're, we're stewards we're, when we should be faithful. God enable us to be faithful. And faithful to what? To him. To him. There may be a lot of things we can't do. But we can all be faithful with what God has given us to do.
Stephen was a man full of faith. And they both go together. God gives you faith, and he's the one that enables you to be faithful. You might imagine standing before your peers. That's intimidating. That you know that they're not going to like what you hear. But you know what? He's faithful to the one who called him, and he believes him, and he's not intimidated. He's not afraid. Here's what it said about Abraham. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He believed God. He believed him. Here's what it says in Hebrews 11. Here's how it describes some of the children of God in the Old Testament who through faith they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. You remember the story in the book of Daniel when the men were cast into the lion's den and the lions couldn't touch them? Why couldn't the lions touch them? God wouldn't allow them. You say, well, them lions, they weren't real lions. They weren't real hungry. Well, when they brought out the Hebrew men, when they brought them out of there, the men who threw them in, they threw them in, the lion's den, and before they ever hit the bottom of the pit, they were tore all to pieces. Through faith, they stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Now watch this. By faith, out of weakness, we're made strong. We are weak by nature. We all have, we all have fears. We all can be... But through faith, through weakness, they were made strong. How, why would a little boy or young man, maybe a teenager like David, run down there in the valley and take on a giant with a rock and a sling? What would make a man do that? He believed God. He said, I'm, that man, he's mocking him. He said, I'm going to take you and feed you to the fowls of the air. David said, I'm going to kill you. And he did. And when he came back up out of that valley, you know what he did? He didn't have a sword. He took Goliath's sword, cut his head off, and he come back carrying that head in his hand. You know why? He believed God. Out of weakness was made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Don't you see here, there's, there's two things. There's things going on here behind the scene. There, there's, a, there's a love for Christ. God's converting people, giving them life, and they believe. Then you have another group who don't believe. And unless God makes himself known, they will never believe. I can preach, but I can't make anyone believe. Only God can enable a person to believe. And when they believe, it's life. It's life. And because he was full of faith, he was full of power. He knew who he believed. Faith makes natural men courageous and bold. The wicked flee when no man pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. If God be for me or if God be for you, who can be against you? What do you have to be afraid of? Our Lord looked at him and said, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? <laughs> and God gave him power to preach the word. What that means is that it wasn't just words. They heard. 
Bible talks about the gospel going forth, not just in words, empty words. Now, you can hear them with the natural ears, but when it goes forth in power, it's when you hear it in your heart and in your mind and in your conscience. That's what he means. And he confirmed. Now, understand this. We, we today, we don't go around laying our hands on the sick or healing the sick or raising the dead. We don't, we don't do that. But these men did. As I was reading, reading today, they talked about this woman. She was sick, Dorcas, and she died. And they called Peter, and he raised that woman from the dead. We can't do that now. But these men did. Why were they able to do that? It confirmed who they said they were. They could speak in another language. If you spoke, if their natural language was Hebrew, how am I going to speak to a man in Greek? I don't have the ability. But God gave them the ability. How? I don't understand. But he allowed those men to understand what that man was saying. They were able to speak with tongues, not an unknown tongue that nobody didn't understand, but with tongues to heal the sick and raise the dead. It was their credentials. What was their credentials? This was proof that they were children of God. There's one example. Simon, he saw, he saw the disciples that by laying on of hands, people received the Holy Spirit. And you know what he said? Boy, I'd like to have that gift. Here, let me, I'll give you the money and you give me the ability to do this because he said, I can get rich over this. And basically putting it as plain as I can put it to interpret to what the text says, Peter looked at him and said, your money go to hell with you. Your money perish with you. You think that this can be bought with money? And that's what he thought. You know why? He didn't understand. But while he's, he's performing these miracles, and these people, I can see them scratching their head, this can't be the same Stephen. Then there arose, verse 9, some t- they were opposing to Stephen. And who he preached. They were Jews, but they were like him. They were from the same country, the Greek countries. But someone said they were probably more zealous than those in Jerusalem. Now, why is? Because in Jerusalem, you're around more people who Jews, and they believe the same way the rest of most of them did. But you imagine living in Greek. Greece, or these nations that he listed, northern Africa, Turkey, Libya, those countries, they got to be a little more zealous or they'll be sucked in to those other countries. And that's who these people are, and that's who Stephen's speaking to. It says they were the synagogue or the Libertines. The Libertines means people that were set free, people that were set at liberty. Some think that these people may have been born as slaves, and had to obtain their freedom. Did you know that's what Paul said? In Acts chapter 27, verse 27, Paul was talking to this man because Paul told him, he said, it was against the law for a Roman to beat another Roman. It was against the law. And this man was a Roman, and he's beating Paul, and Paul said, it's not right for you to beat a Roman. He said, that man said, are you a Roman? He said, yeah. That man said, I'm a Roman by a big price. I had to pay a large price for my freedom. Paul said, I didn't. I was free-borned. 
because I was born in a city of Tarsus, which is under the rule of Romans, and I'm freeborn. It's just like a child, if he's from illegal immigrants, if he's born in his country, they are what? They are a citizen of this country. They are free born. Paul said, I was born. I was free born. Paul was probably one of the more prominent ones of this synagogue of the Libertines. He was a native of Tarsus, a city of Cilicia. Now notice, let me just give you this, where it talks about, he said they were of Cyrene and Alexandra. Cyrene, where, where is that at? That's the capital of northern Africa, a providence of what we now call Libya. Do you remember anybody in the scriptures that was a Cyrenian? And there came out, as they're leading our Lord out, taking him to be crucified, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, whom they compelled to carry the cross. And most people that I know that came from Africa are black. So that man that they picked that day, and you imagine this man is forced, whether he was a believer or not, is forced to carry this cross and probably stood there and watched him nail our Lord to that cross. Why was that man from Cyrene? Why did he just happen to be there that day? And some of these people, they're from Cyrene. Alexandria. This is the capital of ancient Egypt. And next to Rome, this was the most important administrative center of the Mediterranean world. Acts 18, verse 24, and a certain man named Apollos, born at Alexandria, he was an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures. These men, these people spoke Greek. You know what the Old Testament was written in? Hebrew. If you're going to read, if you were a Greek, how are you going to read the Old Testament? That's when they came out with the Septuagint, which is the Greek text of the Old Testament. Oh, now they can read in Greek. You know why they were even Greeks? Because of Alexander the Great. These men conquered the world. Why? All these things played into the fact of God's going to save his people from all over the world. All over the world. Then it says both Sicily and Asia. They were Roman provinces of Asia Minor, which is now modern Turkey. You go, really? That's what the Lord did. Remember one time Paul wanted to take the gospel to Asia, and the Lord said, no, you're not going right now. But eventually he did. If you read the book of Revelation, read the first few chapters. It talks about the seven churches of Asia. Seven churches. And part of these, one of those cities, Cilicia, was a place called Tarsus where Paul was born. Because you know what Paul said? I was set apart from my mother's womb. And it says here in verse 10 that when Stephen stands before these men that knew him, they knew him, he's not uh, somebody that they don't know, never been around. They were not able to resist the wisdom 
and the spirit by which he spake. Like I said, he was not intimidated. Stephen proved by irresistible proofs that Jesus is the Christ. And they couldn't object to what he was saying. They're sitting there, I can see with their mouths just so hanging open. It says they were not able to resist Stephen. They were not able to resist the wisdom. Now listen, here's what our Lord said. This is the fulfillment of what he said. In Luke chapter 21 verse 15, I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries, all your enemies, shall not be able to gainsay or to resist. Remember we looked a couple of weeks ago that these one group of men, they said, if what's going on is of men, just leave it alone. It'll come to nothing. It will, it'll just, the fire will burn out. But if it's of God, you be careful that you're not fighting against God. And they knew something's different about that man. He spoke with authority. He spoke clear. He's, the, he's not a man speaking with secondhand information. He knew whom he believed. What that's basically saying, they're no match for the Spirit of God. He said they couldn't resist it. Verse 11, they couldn't answer his garment uh, arguments. But you thought that would be the end of it. They won't stop. We're going to find another way. We're going to stop this no matter what. So they hire false witnesses to say that he blasphemed, that he blasphemed against Moses and against God. Someone said Satan opposes God's people by either deceit or by violence. We see this. We see this even today. It's, it's always, I mean, it's never changed. It's by intimidation. It's like when they used to bring them years ago. They would bring them before they would execute them, before they would burn them at the stake. Will you not renounce that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I wonder what they thought that day when Martin Luther took that list. I think there was a hundred different things that he said is wrong with the Catholic Church and nailed it on the, on the door. They wanted his head. And when they brought him before the council, they said, why won't you just renounce what you said? And he said, here I stand, I can do no other. And you know what that man did? He spoke German. He was a German monk. And you know what he did? The common people didn't have a Bible. You, you, you were to believe what the priest told you to believe. And you know what he did? He said, those Germans need a scripture that they can read that they, in their language and he come up with the German text where those people could read the scriptures. And he was not intimidated. But they said, we'll use violence. They come up and they say, okay, either you renounce or we're going to take you out here, we're going to hang you, or we're going to burn you at the stake. It's up to you. You decide. We're not motivated by threats. That's what religion does. It tries to make people afraid. Well, if you don't do this, God's going to get you. Now, that's some way to, to serve God, isn't it? He loved me and gave himself for me, and I love him because he first loved me, not out of fear. If God be for us, who can be against you? But you know what they did? 
it's not, we don't know how many was in that council on that court that day, but they said, we're going to stir up the people. Did you know Stephen blasphemed? No, he didn't. He did. To illustrate this point, there's a man named Naboth in the Old Testament. He owned a vineyard. Now, in the Old Testament, if it was your land, it was given to you, and you inherited it as a Jew, you did not sell that land because that land was the Lord's, and he would give it to you as your inheritance. And a man named Ahab, King Ahab, wanted that piece of property. He wanted Ahab's vineyard. Ahab said, I mean, and Naboth said, I am not selling you my vineyard for any price. It's not for sale. And Naboth, the, the weak man that he was, he come home and he lay down on his bed and he's a pouting. And his wife Jezebel, and you've probably heard her name before, she said, what's wrong, Ahab? He said, I can't get a Naboth's vineyard. She said, I'll get it. Well, he won't sell it. I'll get it. You know how she got it? She hired somebody that lied on him and said he blasphemed God. Well, they believed what she said. They believed the false witnesses. And they went out and grabbed Naboth and took him out and stoned him to death over a lie. And I'm day when Ahab went down there and was walking in that vineyard, you know what happened? God sent him a man named Elijah. And Elijah said, what are you doing here? This ain't your land. You know what he did? He stole it. And that's how they work. We're going to stir up the people. You know what this? People will believe a lie before they believe the truth. They said he's speaking against this holy place and the law. Christ came and fulfilled the law. Men hate to be told that they're wrong. Men hate to be told they're wrong. They say he's blasphemed against the law, against Moses. And he was showing them why he should, what he's saying is Christ is God. Who gave the law? Christ did. It's his law. Then he said he's against, he's, he's blasphemed against God. Stephen showed these men that Christ is the fulfillment of the Godhead. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That where that was at, and if you want to look it up, and it's in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 13, that, that story about Naboth and Ahab. And here's what it said in the law in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 2, verse 7. If there be found among you within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a man or a woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and hath gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or the moon or any other host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, and you inquired diligently to make sure it was true, and behold, it be true, and the thing certain, that such abomination is wrought in Israel, thou shalt bring forth that man or woman, it didn't matter, which have committed that wicked thing into thy gates, even that man or that woman, and thou shalt stone them with stones." Till they die. 
That's what the law said. Where's the grace at? Where's the mercy at? You've heard me tell this. It was a man years ago. His son was caught for breaking the law. No doubt about it. And when he went to court, the judge sentenced him. And the man that I knew who was a preacher, and you know his name, Scott Richardson, he went up to the, to the judge and he said, uh, is there not any mercy? He said he don't deserve mercy. He said if he deserved mercy, it wouldn't be mercy. Mercy is for the undeserving. No mercy. You know what we all need to not? Mercy. You imagine a man or a woman, they take them out and didn't matter. They broke God's law. It doesn't matter. We've all broken his law. And see, they stoned him. Why? Because that's what the law said. And they said, this man's guilty of breaking the law. No, he's not. He's serving the one who fulfilled the law. We're not under the law. Think about that. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law. Thank goodness I'm not under the law. Well, when have I done enough? When have you done enough? Never. Christ said, it's done. It's finished. Now I have peace. That's what they were preaching. They said, oh, no, because if we say what he's saying is right, then we got to say what, we, what we're saying is wrong. <clears throat> they said he blasphemed against the temple. Can you imagine this temple. This is their place of worship. It's in telling what this building looked like. Herod had built this temple and all they, all they. But you know what the Lord told them? He said, one day every stone in this building is going to be torn down. It didn't happen overnight. It was another 40 years later in A.D. 70. But it happened. It was destroyed and their religion with it because it's gone. It's of no good. It's just, it's just an empty shell. It says in Matthew 24, verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And he said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. You know who the temple was? That temple is just a building. It's just like this building. It's just a building. There's nothing holy about this building. The temple is Christ. The glory is Christ. And when he left, the glory departed. Stephen, before his conversion, would have been shocked like these people were. This temple's going to be destroyed? That's wrong. That can't happen. He that gave the law. Now listen to me. He that gave the law has the authority to do away with the law. It's like they, kept, they brought a woman to our Lord one day that was caught in the act of adultery. Well, where's the man at? If they caught him in the act of adultery, they didn't bring the man, they just bring the woman. I think they set this poor old woman up. And they brought this woman to our Lord and just stowed her down in front of him. And they said, what does the law, what do you say ought to be done to this woman? He said, what does the law say? And he, he just ignored him. Started writing on the ground in the sand. He said, what are you going to say? What do you say? What does the law say? They knew what the law said. Shall I die? You know what our Lord said? You that are without sin, you cast the first stone. 
And they began convicted of their conscience, and they all walked away. You know what our Lord said? He looked up, and he says, where's your accusers? And she said, no man, Lord, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know what that woman just experienced? Firsthand, mercy and grace. Under the law, they knew what they knew it, and they set her up. They just wanted to see what he'd say. Well, he, he turned it back on them. They called it blaspheming. He told them the truth. And Jesus of Nazareth is the manifestation of the God. You want to see what God's like? God is a spirit. You can't see God. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then it said in verse 15, as he stands before these people, it said his face had been like the face of an angel. Well, I think that's saying there's, there's a calmness. There's a peace. That can't be bought. That can only be given. He's not afraid. He, know, he knows what they're doing. But you know, he never said a word against them. He didn't say, you're a bunch of liars. You're making all this up. He's not trying to defend himself. He's brought here for a purpose. What I thought about was the man named Moses. Most of you know who Moses is. And most times they make reference to Moses and the law. And if you'll read, Moses never took the children of Israel into Canaan. Who did? Joshua. Joshua's name is the same name as Jesus. Because the law cannot save you. And Moses goes up on the mountain. And he communes with God. Moses. Moses. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses knew not that the skin of his face did shine while he talked with those people. And when Aaron and all the children saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face did shine, and they were afraid to come nigh. Moses didn't know it shined. And I don't know what all that means, but I'd say this. When the Lord speaks to you and he spoke to Moses, how did he speak to him? Well, how can God speak to you? Well, I know he can speak to you through his word. But if to speak to you, he has to speak to you through a mediator. It's just like if I was to go to court. I can't just can't walk in there and speak to the judge. I've got to have a mediator that will mediate for me. And Christ is the mediator. If I'm going to speak to God, I've got to come to God through Christ. Not, a, a, not me as a preacher, not somebody as a priest. We come to God through Christ. And he spoke to Moses in the burning bush, in a bush that burned and was not consumed. And his face did shine. And here his servant, Stephen. I think what he's saying, he didn't desert him. And he's going to preach that message. And one man's, I know one man is going to believe. When Stephen, his last words when he's, before he dies, after being stoned to death, and what a horrible death. You know what this man said? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do.
And you know who was standing in that crowd? A man named Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> to me, I believe that's what God used to save that man. He never got over seeing that man's face. I've never seen anybody die like that. He's not cursing. He's not blaspheming. He's bowing to God's will. And to say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Only grace can do that.